I'm Don Tapscott. And I'm Alex Tapscott. And this is What's on Tap for a New Year 2022. Unbelievable. You know, I was thinking, Alex, that it was actually six years ago when Blockchain Revolution was in the can and uh, got published, you know, because that's the way the industry works six months later. But man, talk about water under the bridge. And uh, for sure, the last couple of years have uh, uh, <laughs> have been a tsunami. Who could uh, predict that? Um, and we're all still struggling with the economic impacts of COVID-19. Um, the human costs still are not clear. And uh, I, I think, as you said way back, uh, this is and has turned out to be one of those turning points in history. And, um, you know, the pandemic's causing big changes to our economy, our behavior, our society. Uh, some leaders and governments that are failing will be replaced or have been replaced. And many of our institutions, um, our systems are being scrutinized for the better. And we're all having to think big and we're all having to change. And I was thinking about this, that um, personally, you know, our old lives are in, in part, they're gone. And, um, but I think that the positive side of that is where things were taken away. We did create some new uh, stuff. And um, I know for myself, and I'm sure for a lot of people listening to this, uh, you know, the, the question is clearly posed, what should our new lives uh, look like? Um, thinking about going forward, um, the dust is settling now with, with Omicron. And, um, you know, we ha have to think about where we're going as institutions and as uh, individuals. I thought a good framework to kick off the year might be um, the eight themes that we are launching. We're not going to go through all these today, but maybe one of them. Um, for the Blockchain Revolution Global Conference in Toronto, April 22nd, 23rd. By then, hopefully, <laughs> Omicron will have swept across the globe and done its damage and, um, and, and will be fading out. That's the hope. And uh, we're sure counting on a scenario like that where we can hold a physical event in Toronto and it's going to be lots of fun and people meeting each other and shaking hands to hands, uh, ha uh, shaking hands and having a drink and so on. We've got eight themes for that. And I'll just uh, I mention them quickly right now, uh, because I think that in many ways, these are the themes for next year, although we'd welcome comments from our a growing audience of listeners about this. The first one is decentralized finance or DeFi, which is pretty much software replacing what the traditional uh, institutions do, software and networks. So, uh, secondly, is the whole supply chain revolution. I mean, it's unbelievable to think that, you know, a big, one of the top three issues facing the president of the United States is the failure of supply chains. Um, we have... Uh, NFTs and other digital assets. Six years ago, we laid this out in blockchain revolution. And now uh, nothing so powerful as an idea whose time has come, as an acronym whose time has come. Um, energy and planet sustainability, a big topic. And blockchain holds a lot of potential for um, helping us uh, create a sustainable planet through tokenization of carbon credits and blockchain used to create a new energy grid and all kinds of stuff. 
A, um, uh, we also have the topic of digital identity. We've talked a lot about this last year and it will become a bigger deal this year of collecting all this data that we, that we create as we leave this trail of digital crumbs traveling through the world, collecting those into a self-sovereign identity. The issue of the metaverse, uh, an idea whose time has come or to use our little formulation, the metaverse is getting a second life brunch. Um, the demand pull from the pandemic, but also a technology push uh, coming about from blockchain that enables the protection of assets, a cryptocurrency and so on. And then healthcare, of course, continues to be a huge one. And blockchain is now becoming quite important in that industry. And then the, the final one is emerging platforms. And um, I thought, Alex, this might be a good place for us to start, if you're okay with that, because you've been doing some writing recently about what's been happening with these blockchain platforms over the past period, and what's this year uh, about to uh, bring. So you want to you want to opine on that one a bit? Absolutely. Well, first of all, let me start by saying those are some great themes for the year. Um, and it's a lot more than we can certainly cover in one episode of uh, what's on tap. So we're going to have to dig into them over the course of the next few weeks and, and months leading up to the event. The big story, I think, for 2022 is going to be the rise of what we call the multi-chain. Um, I'm a multi-chain maximalist. <laughs> As opposed people, to a Bitcoin maximalist. <laughs> yeah, or an Ethereum maximalist or any other kind of maximalist. And, you know, for the folks who don't understand the jargon, basically maximalism refers to a belief that one single blockchain protocol and one single token is all that's needed to enable the blockchain revolution and that all this other stuff is basically a big distraction. Um, I think that that view is increasingly a minority uh, held by people who um, think have uh, a lot of money at stake in you know Bitcoin and the Ethereum protocol. I think anybody who looks at the innovation that's been happening on other platforms like Solana and Avalanche and Terra can see that there's a lot more to this than just Bitcoin or Ethereum. So let me just walk you back through some history. So blockchain revolution started with Bitcoin, you know, before the the word uh, DeFi or NFT or um, even cryptocurrency entered the vernacular, there was this one single asset called Bitcoin. Uh, that changed really in 2015 with the launch of Ethereum. So Bitcoin was designed to be a way to move value peer to peer, a way to store value without the need for an intermediary like a bank or a fi other financial services company. And it worked really well for that one single thing. Ethereum built on that idea and said, well, wait, maybe we can use blockchains to program all sorts of other kinds of capability. Maybe we can use it for other aspects of financial services, exchanging assets, getting insurance, um, lending money and so forth. Or maybe we can use it to create scarcity in digital goods like art and collectibles, or maybe we can use it to um, digitize carbon assets, or maybe we can use it to rethink business processes like supply chains. And that was really the promise of, of Ethereum. And Ethereum um, had a lot of big project launches which occurred in the 2017-2018 time period, but it wasn't really until 2020 
that Ethereum started to find a very clear product market fit with two key areas. One is NFTs and the other is DeFi, uh, decentralized finance. The summer of 2020 is known colloquially in the industry as DeFi summer because it was the first time that applications built on top of Ethereum started to massively scale um, the number of users and the amount of value that was being exchanged in those different uh, environments. And um, that was a big breakthrough for blockchains because it demonstrated what we've been talking about for years, which is that there's more to this than just Bitcoin. But Ethereum became a victim of its own success in that because of the popularity of DeFi, what were once very cheap transactions that took very little time to execute, all of a sudden became costly as the Ethereum network became overburdened with all sorts of activity. Um, what's known in the industry as gas fees, so those are transaction costs, started to go up. So they started at five cents, which you know anybody can pay five cents to a couple bucks, and all of a sudden small dollar value transactions started to look less attractive to uh, over $100, which is where they are today. So Ethereum became a chain that really could only be used by people who had large amounts of money doing large value transactions. If you're moving $100 million, 100 bucks is still not very much of a fee to pay, but if you're doing anything small dollar value, it's a problem. So last year, 2021, became the year of the so-called Ethereum killers the rise of these new layer one protocols that um, promised to do what Ethereum did, act as a general purpose platform to build applications, but maybe make it a little easier, a little faster, much faster, um, and much less costly. And the big, the three big winners of last year were Solana, Avalanche, and Terra. And these three different new protocols ended up gathering millions of new users and tens of billions of dollars of new value. And it caused a lot of people to say, well, maybe these, the story isn't about Ethereum, it's about these other platforms. And the data sort of showed that um, at the beginning of 2021, Ethereum was responsible for almost 100% of all DeFi activity. And by the end of the year, it was 65%. So that's a pretty big change. But I think the narrative that we're going to have to replace Ethereum with something else is fundamentally incorrect because over the next 10 years, the scarcest resource in the world, other than maybe water, hopefully that's not the case, uh, is block space, which is basically the space on these new computing networks to actually do transactions and, and run applications. So we're actually going to need as many of these different useful, well-built chains as possible to really achieve the potential of the blockchain revolution. Ethereum, Solana, Avalanche, and Terra aren't going anywhere. And they're probably gonna get bigger and they're probably gonna get more valuable over time. And new platforms like them are going to launch. But the big story for 2022 isn't about the next layer one that's gonna kill Ethereum or compete with Ethereum. It's a story of how all of these different chains are going to interoperate together. And this is actually something you and I have been talking about for a long time which is that if you end up with a bunch of different ecosystems that are fairly siloed, both technologically, financially, culturally, et cetera, then you're going to end up missing opportunities to knit all of this stuff together into one true internet of blockchains. And it's our view that the story for 2022, it's my view at least, and I think you share it too, that the story of how these things are going to interconnect is going to be the main driver 
of value creation in the industry. There are a few projects that are attacking this head on. In fact, we've done a lot of great research at the BRI on the subject. And the two biggest ones are um, Cosmos and Polkadot, which have two different um, approaches to uh, interoperability and to scaling. And both are very interesting and worth a deep study if you're listening to this. Um, it's a report that typically is uh, private to our members, but has leaked into the public domain. And we don't, you know, have a problem with that at this point. So if you can find it, do check it out. Um, it does describe quite neatly how these different platforms work. But again, you know, unless you want vendor lock-in, like we had in the old days with, you know, IBM or whatever, in the same way with Solana or Avalanche, then you need ways for these things to interact and interoperate. And I think that uh, the story of the multi-chain will be the narrative for 2022, both from a technology implementation standpoint and from an investment standpoint too. So multi-chain, why does that matter? Well, obviously um, interconnectivity so that assets can move across different platforms, which increases their utility. Um, another one uh, surely is scale, right? Because not one of the, the kind of scale that we have in the current financial system, I think it would be fair to say none of these platforms currently provides that by itself, but together they they probably could. I mean, um, are, are those the big ones? What do you think? Yeah, one would be to make applications more useful because they can run seamlessly across multiple different chains. Um, you know, in the same way that video game developers used to make video games exclusively for different console um, systems like Nintendo 64, PlayStation. Yeah. Uh, but nowadays, you know, if you're a publisher, you know that the most value comes from being interoperable across different platforms. So you can play Fortnite on lots of different, you know, lots of different ways to play the, the game. I think the same thing is true for at the, at the application level. And ultimately, if you think about how financial markets are structured, there are economies of scale to getting much, much bigger. And that's why um, large banks generally tend to dominate um, in trading and underwriting and other aspects of the industry. That's why you know, the bulge bracket of, of Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley and JP Morgan and Citigroup and, and others. Um, so if liquidity in certain assets is confined to any given uh, system, Salon or Avalanche or whatever, then it by definition can't reach the kinds of economies of scale that will actually allow these applications to compete directly with their old world competitors, right? You can think of it from a financial perspective around liquidity, but also think of the, you know, the network effects of social media. The social networks become more valuable the more users join on. If only people in one ecosystem can join a new nascent social network that's built on blockchains, then it don't it won't achieve those economies of scale. So you need to make it possible for applications to run on every blockchain and for them to interconnect, right? So there's lots of reasons why this is important. Now uh, we've never done this before, but I'd be interested in a couple in your opinions on a couple of other of the well-known platforms. Uh, Polygon, you want to start with that one? Yeah, Polygon is uh, a little bit different. Um, it's another approach to scaling blockchains. It's what's called a layer two. So basically, um, Ethereum, Solana, Avalanche, these are so-called layer ones. Um, what a layer two does is try to, to basically uh, expedite and improve the scalability of a layer one. So Polygon is the dominant layer two uh, on top of Ethereum. And as a result, it has 
uh, grown significantly the number of applications and other uh, use cases that run on Ethereum. It's actually helped Ethereum tremendously in that respect. You know, Dolce and Gabbana did their NFT project on Polygon, for example. Um, SX Network, one of the uh, most popular um, prediction market applications in the blockchain space, $100 million of volume last year, all on Polygon. Um, you know, Polygon is a solution that allows you to be EVM compatible, which basically means you can integrate with the Ethereum blockchain, which is super important because it's the dominant blockchain for this kind of stuff, while also having, you know, faster throughput and transaction speeds. So if you're, you know, placing a $20 wager on a sporting event, or you're buying a $15, you know, crypto collectible NFT, you don't have to pay a $100 fee to do that. That sort of defeats the purpose. You can do it for less. So there's different philosophies and approaches to scaling. I think that all of them are going to have a home because to my original point, if 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 we're correct, the block space remains the scarcest resource because of all the demand for blockchains for, at the application level, then we're going to need all the different scaling solutions that we can get. And I think Polygon is a clear leader in that respect. Yeah. Um, full disclosure, everybody, um, Cosmos and Polygon are members of the uh, Blockchain Research Institute. Yeah. And the Enterprise Ethereum Foundation is a uh, an affiliate or collaborator. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we work with many of these big uh, platforms. Uh, another member uh, that's uh, kind of interesting in my mind is uh, Cardano, that um, until the end of last year didn't really have a smart contract capability. Um, so now with that, I think it does start to move into these, you know, Ethereum competitor uh, type platforms taking a big hit in terms of its, uh, the token price. I think it's gone from three bucks down to about, a, um, I don't know, a lot 40, less. Dollar 30. Yeah, dollar 30. So, um, but, of course, we don't get all bent out of shape about the price of these things because ultimately, I mean, look at Dogecoin. <laughs> ultimately, it's functionality, I think, that wins out in the end over hype. Um, and you may have a popular uh, founder of an electric car company send out a tweet and the market value goes up by billions of dollars. But uh, in the long run, that, that kind of stuff, I think, becomes less important. Um, did you want to comment? On that. Yeah. Well, Cardano, I think a lot of people agree is um, technically very robust. Um, you know, I think that the team has spent a lot of time having their work peer reviewed, um, you know, having the code um, audited by, you know, reputable um, computer science departments and so forth. And so I think, you know, as it is from its design principles, um, it's really interesting. And I think that it has a tremendous community. You know, the token price is not a guarantee of success, but if the thing is worth a lot because a lot of people are excited about it, then it's going yeah. to draw a lot more eyeballs. It's sort of a flywheel yeah. effect in that respect. So, you know, it can't sustain it forever, but certainly that's something that's very interesting. Um, yeah, the, the there aren't that many applications. Like, you know, if you think about all the popular DeFi applications that run on Ethereum or, you know, the interesting... Um, things that happen on Cosmos, the you know the launch of Osmosis, for example, and uh, decentralized exchanges that went from zero to 1.5 billion in total value locked in six months. Um, like I'm not aware of similar kinds of growth in the application layer on top of 
Cardano yet, but as you pointed out, it's like relatively new um, with smart contracts. So I think there's lots of excite, lots of reasons to be excited about that and lots of potential. And, you know, with all this stuff, we try to be humble in, in our predictions um, because as I pointed out, you know, uh, again, if block space is in, is in high demand, um, then Cardano could be a great solution for that. All right. So the year of the multi-chain from, from a platform point of view. Of course, we'll be digging into this uh, big time um, at Blockchain Revolution Global. Um, it's blockchainrevolutionglobal.com, April 22nd, 23rd in Toronto. Uh, see you there. Anybody who comes, uh, I'm buying drinks. Um, and uh, just to, and I, I think our time is up, Alex. Unless you, uh, did, did you have something you want to? add to all of this no um other than you know a good first start there are lots of topics there in your list that we should dig into um in the next little while we should see if we can get a couple guests on too to talk about that yeah i think we're going to do that uh this year more and um as fun as it is for you and i to banter and Mm -hmm. as profound as we are um i there are lots of cool people in our ecosystem that the world would like to hear more from um, so that's it for this week. A big announcements um, at uh, uh, the BRI. Uh, our newsletter just came out. If you want to uh, subscribe to that, uh, please do. It's uh, blockchainresearchinstitute.org. And uh, give us your information. I think we've got like 10,000 subscribers now. And it's, the open rate on that thing is really extraordinary. It's better than anything that I've seen. And um, we have a new, uh, you know, that we're constantly producing research for our members. And eventually, um, and sometimes early, they get released uh, to the public. And you mentioned the Cosmos and po- uh, versus Polkadot report on multi-chain. Uh, we will formally be releasing that, although we might as well, because it's, it's kind of out there. But there's a report coming out um, this week called Platforms for Sustainable food production, huge issue. Blockchain turns out to be an extraordinary uh, technology for that. Also, uh, if you're an employee of a company that's a member of the Blockchain Research Institute, um, we have a a member survey that's going out right now where we're trying to get your views in in a more structured way about how we're doing, but also what you think are the big topics that we should be exploring uh, over the next year. If you're not, if your company is not a member of the BRI, uh, we have new companies joining all the time, just one yesterday, actually. Um, we uh, would love to hear uh, from you and uh, just contact us uh, through blockchainresearchinstitute.org. So that's it for uh, this week. What's on tap? A new year. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting one, that's for sure. Take care, everybody. Bye, everyone.